This is an AMI podcast. Despite the forecast, live like it's spring. Welcome to AMI Audiobook Review, where we talk all things audiobooks on this weekly podcast, starting with a quote of the day. My name is Ramia Amuthan, here with Nisreen Abdel-Majid, and we are featuring spring all through the month. So, new beginnings, and of course, the weather, which is why I picked this quote, uh, courtesy of Amir Khan, who will join us later in the show, and uh, gave us a couple of quotes to choose from this, but I loved this one because the forecast directly correlates with my being, <laughs> which, which is a lot to say, but it really does. And in spring, we get some of those up days, some of those down days, uh, but really, no matter what it is, we can enjoy, we can... Uh, have the sentimentality around spring and what it is, which is just a lot of great reset. So loved this one by Lily Pulitzer, fashion designer and American socialite. And again, shout out to Amr for sending this one. Now, let's move to the Sila homepage, which we love to take a look at, starting with the featured titles and anything else. If they have uh, stuff to share throughout the week, we'd like to share that as well. CELALibrary.ca. Featured titles for this week and for the last couple of weeks are Daughters of the Deer by Danielle Daniel. This is a historical fiction. We also have Run Towards the Danger by Sarah Polly, Family and Relationships. And the last one of this category is Moonwitch Spider King by Marlon James, a fantasy novel which was uh, greatly appreciated by Wendy Hong, our guest from last week, and just loved talking fantasy with her. So it was wonderful. And now, as we don't have any new announcements on the Sila uh, blog, let's move to what's trending, which is given to us by Nazreen. Yeah, so audiobooks.com tweeted out this week's hottest releases. So I'll be listing the top five here, starting off with Dreamtown by David Baldacci, Death of the Black Widow by J.D. Barker, The Kingdom of Bones, a thriller by James Rollins, uh, Beautiful by Danielle Steele, and the last one I'll mention is The Memory Librarian by Janelle Monet. So yeah, these are the top five, but if you want to see the rest of the books, you just go to audiobooks.com for the rest of the list, lots to go on. And uh, so I went to Indigo yesterday to judge books by their cover, literally, and they are usually very organized when it comes to sectioning by genre and trends. I mean, I saw a full shelf of uh, TikTok trends of books and and t- different types of romances and and there were so many, so many types of sections. It's very specific. And so what I did was I walked around and listed some books that looked interesting for me to listen to. So yeah, I, I just went to check out the covers and, and see. Because, you know, seeing the book physically, I feel like that's what attracts me to the books. I really like feeling the texture of the cover and the different colors. And I mean, we spoke about this before, but I do judge a book by its cover quite literally. I mean, I can really understand, though. I can't necessarily empathize because um, I've only been able to have, you know, limited 
emotional responses to holding books, you know, and that reminds mm-hmm. me of like the Goosebumps cover where there was a tactile title. You remember those? Um, yeah. I was just going to yeah. say was that before your time. Anyways. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> so that kind of thing. But if it didn't have anything like that, then aside from kind of just flipping through the book and, and smelling new books, I love that new book smell. Um, I don't really have the emotional responses, but I can totally understand for you to have a three-dimensional connection to the book, even if you end up listening to it on audio, downloading it on your app, that kind of thing. Um, For a lot of people, especially if you've grown up reading print or uh, just known print, like books to be print, you know, your parents had bookshelves or uh, read to you and you helped turn the page, that kind of thing. It totally evokes something else in you that you honestly can't get just from downloading, right? Yeah, I mean, looking at the covers online and and seeing the synopsis online is very different when you're seeing it physically. I like seeing the thickness of the book and the pages. And as you said, smelling the new book smell. It's just like getting into a new car, that new car smell. it's, It's very different than seeing it online. Uh, but yeah, so I listed a couple of Colleen Hoover's books, and I'm really excited. So uh, Amber suggested cool. All Your Perfects, which I'm going to start with that. It ends with us. Nice. Ugly love the cover. I mean, you you get that physical texture, tactile uh, texture on the cover, which I love, and Regretting mm-hmm. You. So as I said, all oh, of these books look too. so nice when you're seeing them in person. Yeah. Um, so I and then you can cry all over them yeah. when you read them because <laughs> they will get you emotionally wound up. I, and this it's so such an interesting thing that you brought up because I was thinking too, like when somebody says a book is five hundred pages, eight hundred pages. Oh, I just got through a twelve hundred page book. I can't imagine what that is. Even though I, I'm totally an audiobook listener, I, I don't read print at all anymore. Um, I can't imagine what that is because as you grew up and you're browsing the library and you're feeling around books, you know what books are or like how long something's going to be and how intense the read is going to be based on the feel of it, right? Holding it in your hand um, and knowing, oh, this is what an 800-page book is. But now I've completely disconnected from that. I have no clue what a long book is, what a short book is based simply on the page uh, numbers. But yeah, I like I said, I didn't buy any books. I was just, you know, uh, strolling by Indigo, just seeing what I would love in person. Right. And then just taking making a list on my phone being like, okay, I'm going to start reading this or listening to this book and that book. Um, yeah. But nice. the, yeah, that's so interesting that you mentioned that because we disconnected from the length of books and time. Now we just talk about how many hours it would take to listen to a book. Exactly. That's the difference. And you have to go digging around. <laughs> like I remember talking to a friend about how long the actual Harry Potter books are and what the longest one, the short, shortest one and thinking, I don't know. I, I like I at that point wasn't reading physical books anymore. Mm-hmm. So I have no clue and then had to go digging around for the actual page so numbers. Wow. So cool. Now we're going to get into something that we haven't done in a while, which is ask a friend. In fact, if I remember correctly, this is only the second time in our 34 episodes that we've uh, featured an ask a friend. And 
it's still a little bit informal because, first of all, we like to dedicate uh, this time to people who recommend an audiobook, someone from the community, a friend or a friend of a friend. And this one is an informal recommendation because it was actually recommended to me. And then I'm taking it and recommending it to you. So myself, as well as Debbie Williams, who's been on the show quite a while ago, uh, loved this book. And so let's get into it. It's called Didn't See That Coming, Putting Life Back Together When Your World Falls Apart. This is by Rachel Hollis. It was released in 2020, and it's her third book, I believe. And it's really quite a short one, but very, very good. So fear, grief, loss, betrayal. Rachel Hollis has felt all of these things, and she knows that you have too. Now she takes you to the other side. With her signature humor, heartfelt honesty, and intimate true life stories, author Rachel Hollis shows readers how to seize difficult moments for the learning experiences that they are and the value and growth that they provide. When it comes to the hard seasons of life, the death of a loved one, divorce, loss of a job, Transformation seems impossible when grief and uncertainty dominate your days, especially when no one asks to have their future completely rearranged for them. But it is up to you how you come through your pain. You can come through change for the better, having learned and grown, or stuck in place where your identity becomes rooted in what hurt you. To Rachel, a life well-lived is full of purpose, focused only on the essentials. This is a small book, as I caveated, about big feelings, inspirational, aspirational, and an anchor that shows that darkness can coexist with the beautiful. So she's also the author of Girl, Wash Your Face and Girl, Stop Apologizing. And I want to go around the table, not as a real pause or play, but just to get the vibe of what you guys uh, think of this book, Amr and Nizreen. Niz, I'll start with you because you and I have talked a lot about self-development books and how they they really catch us, you know, the titles, uh, the concepts, and really the phases and stages of life that you're at. Sometimes things just come to you. Um, And I feel like this book really just came to me when I needed it. And Debbie, with her encouragement uh, for me to check it out, and as short as the book was, I got through it in like a couple days, two or three days. And it was such a powerful and empowering read for me. I loved the tone of it. Uh, And that's a review from me because I've already checked it out. But coming to you, Niz, would you be interested or or, uh, curious to check out this book? I would. As much as I like getting into books to escape from reality, I really love the inspirational books, the real life moments books where it discusses real feelings and real life problems. I like getting into that. It makes me reflect on real life situations. So I would I would be interested. Yeah. Okay, amazing. Amr, coming to you, um, the complete opposite. You and I don't really have as much self-development book talk, so I am genuinely curious about whether you would uh, check out something like this or just the, the vibe that it brings you. I would. I, I think of late, especially in, in the last few years, authors have been exploring darker topics, but in a very gentle and you know really walking you through, holding your hand and, and sort of making you see the logical steps of, of how these things works and how to overcome them. Um, there's a few titles that come to mind, but this sounds very 
similar. Uh, we, we were just earlier talking about Colleen Hoover's mm-hmm. um, all your perfects, and and I think this this looks like it's along similar lines in terms of walking the reader through some difficult subjects, but um, without sort of just dumping the the reader into you know a depressive state. Yeah. Absolutely. Both of you mentioned that, you know, the serious topics that come out in in books like this and the personal experiences. And and honestly, there were very heavy, like you heard me say some of these words, grief, um, loss of a loved one. There are very heavy things that come up in this that were personal to Rachel, but just the way she shared them, um, it was she was definitely leading you into something more and more serious, uh, but doing it in a way, presenting it in a way that makes you feel like you can kind of hold her hand through it. And and she was holding ours. Uh, so I, I, again, thank Debbie for the recommendation and for being able to share it over here. And I do want to check out her other books, Girl, Wash Your Face, Girl, Stop Apologizing. So Rachel Hollis didn't see that coming, putting life back together when your world falls apart. Now, moving over to you, Amr, uh, the conversations that we have with you at the end of the month, the experiences that you have reading your books. We say the good, the bad, and the ugly are bound to come out when we talk to you. <laughs> Shout out to you for picking the the uh, quote of today as well. And today's theme, springing into Antarctica. You love these kind of titles, right? So it's nice. So Because we're featuring spring this month, and last week we uh, focused on fantasy, as I mentioned, you have something different for us to explore today. Yes, absolutely. Something completely different, actually. We're going the opposite direction of fantasy and going into very much reality. As mentioned earlier, um, I wasn't quite sure I wanted to pick up a a book about Antarctica, uh, especially during the pandemic. And, you know, it's spring and uh, I wasn't sure about whether I should get into it or not, but I had it on my list from uh, Women's History Month from from last year. And I thought it was time I should at least give it a try. And I'm so glad I did. Um, the book turned out to be a gem and absolutely amazing. Um, so I'm really glad I took it on. It's not what I expected in some ways. And in some ways, it's exactly what I expected. Mm. And uh, I wanted to give our listeners a little bit of a an idea of what it's about and uh, i've asked you to read a quote from the book yes i will do the honors the most experienced antarcticans talk not about conquering the continent but about surrendering to it no matter how powerful you believe yourself to be how good your technology how rich your invention antarctica is always bigger and if we humans look honestly into this ice mirror and see how small we are, we may learn a humility that is the first step towards wisdom. G. Walker. Yeah, thank you so much, Ramya. I mean, it's a profound quote, but the book is actually very, very easy to read and is a pleasure to read. Now, this is, like I said, this is one of the more philosophical or profound quotes. The title of the book I should probably get started with is uh, Antarctica, an intimate portrait of a Mysterious Continent by Gabrielle Walker. Just some basics about the book. I mean, it, it is available on Sela. It is not a short book. It's 13 hours, um, and it is synthetic speech. Um, in terms of my own classification for books, I would classify this as a bedside read. Uh, it's very fascinating, very interesting, but this is obviously not like a suspense thriller where you want to finish it in, in a day or two um, and can't stop reading it, and you know, sort of like a page turner. But uh, it, it's a fantastic look at Antarctica. I mean, most of us, when we think of Antarctica, all we think of is ice and penguins and really, really cold. <laughs> but this book is completely different. It's, you know, Gabrielle Walker is a scientist. 
And the way she structured the book is to actually visit all the different research stations she could in Antarctica and see what Antarctica is all about. So she does a fantastic job of not only sort of describing the landscape, but she also describes the different science things that are going on in the station. Uh, and the really interesting part to me is the culture and interaction between the people at the stations, as well as with the outside world, as well as with other stations. Um, so there's several stations and countries in Antarctica and the sheer vast variety of what Antarctica looks like is is truly amazing. I mean, from the earlier quote, we saw sort of a nugget of that. But, you know, in terms of, you know, there's an ice sheet, there are mountains, there are caves, there's underground water. I mean, there's so much to learn from and about Antarctica that it's it's truly mind boggling. I mean, to think that whatever picture we have of Antarctica is just a teeny tiny sliver is huge. And that's the kind of vibe I'm getting right now from you describing your experience having read this. Yeah. And, you know, it, and the way she writes is really interesting, too. I mean, we started with a rather profound quote, but one of my other favorite quotes of the book is what uh, Antarcticans actually say about themselves, which is, you know, you first come for the adventure, then you come back for the money, and huh. then you keep coming because you don't fit anywhere else. So <laughs> it's a bit of a joke, but you know, it, it, it goes to, you know, that, that sort of Antarctic culture that, that you start right. to develop. And um, she, she talks in quite a bit of detail about the type of isolation and camaraderie that goes sort of hand in hand with being on the continent where, you know, if you're there in the winter, you don't get any sunlight. And, oh my gosh. you know, during the summer, which is when most people are there doing research and, and whatever, um, are there during the summer, which has, you know, almost 24 hours of sunlight. I mean, I'm down for that. Yeah. The isolation, I guess, because as you said, you go back because you can't fit in, right? Wherever else. Yeah. And and I think those are the two things that, that she talks about in a duality sense. There's su such a sense of camaraderie in Antarctica, but you're sort of still very much isolated from the world. Um, and there's different terms and different funny stories she has about these particular phenomenon. I mean, uh, in Antarctica, apparently, when you, when you get more isolated than you can handle and you start doing things that you normally wouldn't do, they call it uh, going toast. Uh, and if you get really sort of mean about it, they call you burnt toast. So <laughs> it's, it's it's kind of funny, but you know, putting into the context of a pandemic where a lot of us have you know been inside and not been able to interact with people sort of in real life and uh, mm -hmm. in physical parameters, I mean, it really gives some a, a lot of perspective. Uh, you know, it really makes you appreciate what uh, what we have and, and what the planet has to offer. Yeah, I mean, I did mention earlier that this was on my list for. Uh, Women's History Month. And the reason why is because obviously Gabrielle Walker is female, but she also does a great job of featuring sort of the early female pioneers uh, who are in Antarctica or who, uh, you know, trailblazed the way for women to be in Antarctica because that was not allowed at the beginning. The book sort of starts with McMurdo, which is the largest U.S. base and year-round base in, in Antarctica, which is just at the edge. And some of the research that goes on there and um, yeah, I think I'll go into some of the the science that she talks about too. I mean, I, please, I, <laughs> yeah. like I think everybody knows that there is some science that happens in Antarctica, but not really sure what type. And the short answer is all different kinds of all different types. Uh, everything from you know diving below the ice shelf to look for you know fish with 
uh, what they discovered have antifreeze in their blood so that they don't freeze like a popsicle in the uh, mm-hmm. in the sea ice to looking for meteorites uh, because it gets stuck in the ice and obviously that's great for people who want to look for meteorites and a lot of the astronomy that we know about in terms of you know planets swapping uh, material in space comes from Antarctica. There's even people drilling for air. So they're drilling in the ice to find air that's like thousands oh or millions gosh. of years old to see what the pollution levels were like or see what the atmosphere held and, and all those types of things. And, and this is all being done in the modern age. But, you know, I, I was going to say some of this stuff sounds so surreal to me that it sounds like sci fi. It really does. And, you know, and she does, and she describes the early expeditions too, which makes it even more profound and amazing, right? Uh I mean, she talks about all this modern equipment and, you know, you're drilling hundreds of meters below the ice with these, you know, specialized tools or um, in the, in the case of the the meteors, you're literally just looking with your naked eye. But, uh, you know, the early explorers of uh, the the later in, uh, you know, 1800s and 1900s, she describes the way they used to do it. I and mean, even to get to the sort of quote unquote land part of Antarctica, you had to cross hundreds of miles of uh, of sheet ice just to, you know, start the journey. I mean, in today's modern day and age, you can fly in on, wow. a, on a cargo plane or, you know, a helicopter or whatever. Yeah, and, yeah. you know, that's how you start your journey. But, but, you know, these guys had to do it with, you know, dogs and sleds and, uh, literally just you know pulling these these toboggans uh, along ice and there's no vegetation so you have to bring your own food there's tons in this book that that, that can fascinate you one of the more poignant points uh, I came across was that all the water in Antarctica is recycled the liquid water oh uh, and you know very similar to being in space because it requires so much fuel and heat to uh, melt the snow for water that they don't invest in that. They actually recycle the water that they have. Hmm. It makes you wonder, too, what that means for the environment, you know, the footprint and all of this stuff compared to other countries, compared to ourselves. Well, I mean, that's another unique part of Antarctica is that it's not really owned by any other country. Right. Uh, so this, she talks about the Antarctic Treaty, which basically goes over the rules of what you can and can't do with in Antarctica. Tourism is also an industry that's coming to Antarctica, and they're you know, strictly regulated in terms of where they can go and what they can do. So the, the other reason why I really enjoy this book is it's really up to you how long and how what you want to do with this book. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can read this book and just leave it, or you can get interested in a certain aspect of this book. And there's so many resources that you can go to to learn more. Wow. I mean, every research station she goes to in the book has a website where you can, you know, actually, you know, see what the scientists are doing. The Australian station actually has a really cool page if you're into multimedia. They actually have sounds of Antarctica. So you can actually go and, you know, listen to the different sounds and things that they have yeah. listed, like blue whales or a plane or, you know, a drill or something. You know what's um, fantastic about this review is that I feel like we touched on a little bit of everything and still you've made everything a cliffhanger. I just like I don't even know where to begin on if even if you don't end up reading this book and just want to go research Antarctica, it's just millions and millions of everything that you could possibly uh, be interested in uh, coming to to fruition. Amir, I hate to do this, but we have like a minute left. Is there one other book you want to tease super quick? Yes, actually, I I wrote a little bit about it. I'm going to try to try to read it out for you guys in terms of how I felt about the book after reading it. You know, the book gives you an appreciation for being alive. It also gives you a newfound respect for the planet and what we can learn from it. And most of all, I thought it was really reassuring to get a sense of 
the global community and how we're all connected to each other. Love it. Thank you so much. That's Amir Khan, our monthly contributor here on AMI Audiobook Review. He joins us pretty much at the end of the month and we'll be back for brand new episode in May. Until we meet you next time, happy audiobook listening. This was an AMI podcast. For more accessible media, visit AMI.ca. Join us weekly for The Pulse with host Joita Gupta, who brings us closer to issues impacting the disability community across Canada. Watch The Pulse on YouTube or listen wherever you download your AMI podcasts.